Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Breathe in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. So, I... I guess, like, when you have a podcast, uh, regardless of how popular it is, regardless of how many people listen to it, regardless of how many hosts there are or how many times you record an episode every week, you, to some degree, you know, I'm sure everyone who has a podcast feels this way. They feel this this constant pull in two different directions. And it's not always in two different directions. Sometimes, if you're lucky enough, those pulls are in the same direction. Uh, and... Um, so one one of those directions is what the audience wants to hear. Um, so to use the Cinerealists as an example, because uh, I feel like their show has the most crossover with my listeners, it's likely, uh, from what I've heard. Uh, I've, you know, they've said in the past that more people listen to their top 10 lists, review episodes, guest episodes, that kind of stuff, than listen to their games episodes. Uh, I, I don't know how big a difference it is, um, but uh, there's some difference. It's big enough that they mentioned it on their show. And to some degree, uh, you know, that indicates to me, and, you know, I have different types of episodes too, so, like, I deal with the same thing, which is that if someone likes one kind of episode more than another kind you subconsciously or consciously think that you should, uh, you know, lean into that type of thing because that's what, you know, that's what, what your fans are responding to, right? You know, if, if, so, so here, here, use, to, to use my own podcast as an example, one of the most downloaded episodes of my podcast podcast is the review episode I did for Spark a Space Tale. This is one of the first episodes I did, so you know, it's been out longer, more people have had time to listen to it. But it, it just blows my mind that more people listen to that than like the Moonlight review episode or the the La La Land review episode or Star Wars or any of these episodes. Like that's insane to me. I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. I, I can't fully explain it but uh you know that kind of gets you thinking like well what is it about spark a space tale that has drawn so many other people to listen to that episode and you know to go to the sit back to the cinerealists you know they lately they have had less games episodes although i don't think that has anything to do with the fact that less people listen to those because i think that as they've said like they perfectly enjoy their games episodes just as much as the regular episodes and so you know some i think a lot of people a lot of podcasters particularly try to ignore and avoid letting themselves be dragged in that direction when it when it appears in front of them and I think that's good. I think that's a good instinct. You know, you want to cater to your fan base, uh, um, but you have to stay true to what you want to make your show. And that's the other direction. So, you know, if 
you don't if you do a movie podcast but you never want to review a movie then that seems firstly seems somewhat counterintuitive but also uh does end up with kind of like potentially alienating some of the people that listen because i think while there are definitely plenty of great podcasts about movies that don't explicitly review movies, the vast majority of them do to some degree. Uh, you know, if it, even if it's just mentioning movies, even if it's just um, listing them, or whatever the case may be. And not that I'm—I I don't mean that I don't like reviewing movies because I do. I, I enjoy it. But you know, I definitely feel some element of of tug in the direction where you know people want to hear reviews about more recent movies because that's what's out right now and like that's kind of the mindset people have is that well why would you review a movie that came out four years ago 10 years ago 50 years ago when you could just review one that is in theaters right now and to that i mean part of it is exposing people to a movie that they probably didn't hear about Uh, but if that's not the instance then you know maybe it's just a movie you're very passionate about and you really feel the need to discuss and talk about and and share your opinion with and that's kind of I don't know that all this is to kind of say that uh, when I'm you know me making this podcast you know I do three episodes a week Um, I have episodes that are review episodes, I have episodes that are based on statistics, I have episodes that are um, some sort of mismatch of the two, you know, I do my Circle of Film Awards and scavenger hunts and top 10 actors lists and and a lot of different variety of things because I like to not keep sort of the same exact um, structure every single time I, I turn on the microphone. And so while... For me, you know, I spend so much time looking at spreadsheets every day. Spreadsheets for movies, spreadsheets for TV shows, spreadsheets for survivors, spreadsheets for my budget. I look, I have spreadsheets for Fantasy Movie League. I, I you know, I see them constantly. And I don't tire of it. I, I con- you know, I'm just like browsing through my spreadsheets and like, oh man, I didn't realize Sarah Polly was so high up on my actor's spreadsheet or man, I didn't realize that I had, you know, seven movies from 1988 that were rated an 81, but only two movies from 1988 rated an 82 kind of thing. And, you know, it just, it just leads into me sort of assessing things and and trying to make the best of the situation as best as I can. But, you know, it's just kind of in my nature to want to appease who's listening at the same time, you know, I I don't need to review Justice League, but I feel obligated to at least address it when it makes $93 million in its opening weekend, and it's not, you know, it's never going to show up on my top 10 list at the end of the year, I don't think it will show up on any maybe one or, you know, very, very, very few people's top 10 lists, or 20, 30, 50, depending on how many movies they saw, but, you know, I I bring it up, I address it, it's a big uh, tentpole movie that affects a lot of things, and, you know, so for me, I don't need to do a review episode, I can do a statistics episode, I don't really have to talk about the movie, I can just show you its impact it had on me, 
because it, it had much, far far more an impact on my spreadsheet than it did on like me as a moviegoer. So uh, this is kind of a lot of preamble to get to the whole point of today's episode, which is a review of a movie called Breathe. Now, there was a movie that was named Breathe that came out this year, uh, directed by Andy Serkis, which I did see, but that was months ago, and I'm not reviewing it today. Uh, that movie's fine. Um, I'm. It, it didn't... Uh, best case scenario, it would have um, made me more excited for Mowgli next year, uh, but and and worst case scenario, it would have made me like very trepidatious and and, and hesitant about that movie. But it, it somehow manages to not do either of those things, and uh, my excitement level for uh, Mowgli is precisely where it was before I saw that breathe. However, I'm currently. Um, so I, I mentioned that I wanted to, you know, I'm kind of working my way backwards through the circle of film awards and, and past years and, you know, 2020 hindsight being what it is. I am currently trying to watch as many 2014 movies as I can before I put out the 2014 circle of film awards. And so, you know, those will probably come early in the summer, you know, if, if even, but I, I so so I've been watching a lot of movies from 2014 and there's a movie from 2014 called breathe or in its uh, native tongue uh, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong but respire uh, it's French it's a French movie and it is directed by Melanie Laurent uh, maybe pronouncing that wrong as well uh, who is I didn't realize she was a director uh, but she is more recognizable as an actor, and she has appeared in some big no- na- big name movies like uh, Beginners with Christopher Plummer and Ewan McGregor, uh, Now You See Me, the first Now You See Me, uh, Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal, the Denis Villeneuve movie, and probably most recognizably in Inglorious Bastards. Uh, she plays Shoshana uh, slash Emmanuel in the film uh the the theater owner who burns down the theater and she is pretty pretty good she's a pretty good actor in my opinion um four movies isn't a you know she's been in a lot of other movies that i haven't seen but those are her bigger four movies and she has uh also directed which i wasn't really aware of but one of the movies that I'd added to my watch list uh, as far as 2014 stuff to check off the list uh, is a movie by her that's on Netflix right now named Breathe or Respire. It's in French, so it's, it's you know, subtitles is, is the hurdle you have to get over. But it's fairly short. It's only 90 minutes. And it's really good, guys. It's, it's really good. So let me kind of paint a little bit of a picture. Uh, it's sort of a blossoming relationship type of a story uh, between uh, Charlie and Sarah, uh, Charlie and Sarah, to the American tongue, uh, played by Josephine Jappy and Lou Delage. Man, I'm terrible day for these names. And uh, so Sarah's character is new to the school district that Charlie attends 
and you know the two become friends they really hit it off they have a good time together uh you know things get a little intimate and um they're kind of codependent on each other and then about halfway through the movie uh sarah the new girl starts to drift away from charlie she becomes distant she starts to fraternize with different people rather than with charlie Uh, she intentionally you know ignores charlie at various points in time and this is i would say problematic it's it's not a good feeling to to kind of feel like you've been passed on for or traded in for a new model for a friend especially like it's not human beings don't exactly work that way uh, but it's definitely a situation that a lot of people, I'm sure, have experienced in, in school and in um, probably even later in life as well. Uh, I, I was trying to think about a time when this happened to me um, while I was watching the movie, and nothing explicitly came to mind. I couldn't, I couldn't really remember any specific instance in like grade school where this happened. Um, you know, there were, I definitely like, you know, I had my own ebbs and flows with friendships and friends and they came and went, but it was, it was never as, as sort of blatant and, um, impetuous and frustrating as the circumstances that happened to Charlie in, in this movie. So I couldn't really connect with it on that level, but I've definitely felt that feeling you have when, you know, someone who's your best friend or a really good friend of yours and you just want to spend all your time with them and you want them to spend all your their time with you and they're off with this person, that person, and you get that kind of jealous feeling like, oh man, I thought we hung out all the time situation. Now, for me, that probably came up more in college. I definitely seemed to have... You know, people I had, I developed a connection with in college. Uh, I was much more like, I, I don't know, kind of in the back of my mind. Every once in a while, you would get that sense of like, "Oh, you were out with so and so." Like, I, uh, why didn't you ask me? Like, why didn't I? Why wasn't I there? Why wasn't I invited? Sort of a situation. And, you know, it's petty. It's 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 you know, it's not a good color on a person, but it happens. And I think most of us, if not all of us, have experienced that kind of a, an emotion. Uh, at some point and this movie takes that situation and it runs with it uh laurent really does a fantastic job directing this scene this movie it's it's absolutely phenomenal she is there are some some fantastic long takes uh particularly one where the girls are running around a track that i found to be incredibly engrossing and just awful at the end of it uh it's it's really heartbreaking and will leave you breathless um multiple layers to breathless besides just the title so uh i i I don't know there's the crux of the movie is is all like is all spoiler stuff i can't really get too deep into that actually but i will say that i've seen a lot of movies in the obviously and a lot of them they introduce this character you know okay like think about 
think about like Groundhog Day. You have, uh, oh shit, I can't think of his name. Groundhog Day. You have uh, Stephen Tobolowski. I didn't even have to look it up. Stephen Tobolowski's character, Ned Ryerson, in Groundhog Day. We see him many, many times in the movie. He is very, very, very annoying. Okay, like that is kind of his role in the movie. Now, it's not pure annoyance. You know, there's layers to it. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you just... It's the kind of interaction where, like, it just frustrates you on the inside and you want to you want to do something about it but it's it's literally not worth your time because it's it's just going to create more problems for you if you react or respond in a way that like throws everything off balance right however under the premise of groundhog day uh, i mean bill murray is given that op- the opportunity to like just slug uh, Stephen Tobolowsky right in the face and it's a great feeling you know it's so cathartic to kind of let out that frustration you know and and he gets to do that and you know watching that it's like man like I want to do that when I have those experiences you know I want to do that and I want every character I see in a movie to do that because it just frustrates me to no end when there's like a sadistic teacher that refuses to give you a passing grade every, even though you answer every question right or you know, a parent who refuses to acknowledge that, like, you're good at something because your siblings are just that much better than you. You know, all those situ- circumstances that have, that are in every, you know, so many movies. And, you know, Bill Murray does it. You know, that's, that's really satisfying. And, you know, like this, in, in this movie, you have Sarah, who is kind of a bitch, uh, to Charlie, and uh, she, they, they, like, that's kind of the circumstance we're in, you know, we want, you know, you, you don't want Sarah to just, like, get away with being such a terrible person, and uh, to, to her credit, you know, she is very good at being a terrible person, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an art form, and Lou Delage is, is perfectly emblematic of what that kind of a person is, should be, would be, is you. We've seen them in real life. We've seen them on TV and in reality shows and 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 everywhere. And you know, from the point where that starts to happen, you know, you just like oh, I, I again, like I get that feeling, like man, you know, I'm not the kind of person that could ever do something like that. You know, I'm not the one to like throw a punch. I'm not the one to do that kind of a stuff, kind of kind of thing. But, you know, I get that reaction inside me that says, like, man, just, like, put her in her place. Like, don't let her keep, don't just sit there and take all this abuse. Don't do it. And it's, it's tired. It's very, very frustrating to, to, to go through that part of the movie. But I promise it is, it is completely, completely satisfying at the end. And, you know, it's maybe not exactly what you were looking for. It definitely goes in a direction that I was not expecting. Um, regardless of, like, where I wanted things to go, I didn't expect things to go where they ended up. And that was incredibly rewarding. And I think the final frame, the final cut uh, away to black is perfect. 
uh, it has some, you know, and it features probably the best uh, scene and, and, and performance in the movie from, from Josephine Jappy in that aspect, in that moment. Man, uh, it's, it's, it's truly, truly a fascinating movie. And so, highly recommend you see it. Like I said, it is on Netflix. Um, and Melanie Laurent is fantastic as a director. Um, if not more so than an actor, at least on par. And so, I'm now like totally invested in the other movies she's made. She's apparently made like four other movies um, and has been directing since like the late 2000s. Uh, at least as short films. Some of these are, one of these is a short film. But I'm definitely looking forward to more films from Laurent. And uh, she's got another one, like, on the way, which is coming out this year, called Galveston, starring Ben Foster, Elle Fanning, Lily Reinhart, Bo Bridges, uh, Matthias Schoenarts, Maria Valverde, Adepero Aduye, and Robert Aramayo. It's a noirish crime thriller, and I am totally invested in that already. So, I, you know, I don't. There's not much more to say. Like this, the plot is very straightforward, but it's just kind of experiencing experiencing this story from Charlie's point of view. And you know, there's a lot of drama at home for not just Charlie but Sarah. Uh, there's a lot of drama at school. There's there's plenty of different instances where things spiral out of control for one of these characters, uh, and it's difficult to watch at times. It really is, and I think that it's not you know it, it's so I gave if you look at Letterboxd I gave it a four star rating. Uh, so it's a film rated in the '80s. I haven't gotten I guess I can figure out the approximate rating right now if I wanted to so somewhere between an 80 and an 89 is what I'm looking at and uh, let's see what else has gotten in that range uh, for 2014 um, definitely feels like it's in the same realm as Clouds of Sils Maria uh, but I think Clouds of Sils Maria is a little bit better um, Selma's better John Wick 1 that's pretty close. Um, I'm gonna look down here. We got Gone Girl. Oh man, some tough competition. Um, maybe. I think that's where we're going. All right, so it's gonna get an 82. 82. That is really good. And I fully expect it to show up at least somewhere in the 2014 Circle of Film Awards. Um, I mean, again, like, who knows how many more films I'll see that I'll feel the same way about. So I guess that's not at ever a done deal. But uh, definitely exciting to see. To You know, this is like, that's what it's kind of all about, right? Like, it's one thing to just, like, to go to the movies a couple of times a year, see the big stuff, see one or two of the like prestige films, um, watch Netflix a few times, and you know you go see Thor Ragnarok, you go see Star Wars, and you're like, man, that movie was great. But it's just it's such a better 
not better, it's such a different feeling to discover a movie that I didn't even know existed from a director I didn't know directed with a cast I'd never heard of and just completely fall in love with that movie. And, you know, watching five, six movies every day gives me the opportunity to, like, do that on a semi-regular basis, which is intensely rewarding. So, not that I'm saying that you guys should, like, quit your jobs to just watch movies like I did. That's not exactly what I did, but that's kind of the... uh, (laughs) That's the the wide-shot version of what I did. And... But, but, you know, there is a benefit to, like, stretching out and, and, and exploring just different languages, different countries, different, um, different types of films, animated, documentary, you know, dramas, comedy, horror. It's, it's a little bit of everything when you look outside of your sort of comfort zone. And, uh, you know, Zach always tell, or not Zach, James always tells Zach, uh, you know, if you don't like horror films, you just haven't seen the right ones. And that applies to every single categorization of film you can possibly think of, whether they be short films, whether they be epics, or or Japanese films, or Chinese films, or Italian films, or French films, or whatever lies in between. So, all that said, I highly recommend that you give Breathe a look. It was really fun and really enjoyable for me to watch, and I think most people would have a pretty good time with it. Um, That being said, uh, that's kind of it. I'm not going to do spoilers. There's really only one big thing to spoil, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, that's much better left uh, unsaid. And uh, for for you guys to uh, discover on your own. Um, So, so this is, I'm releasing this episode on Monday, and I wanted, before, before I go, uh, I wanted to say that if you, you know, I, I do a fantasy movie league update every Wednesday. If you are the one that, uh, if you're someone that plays fantasy movie league, um, you've probably been experiencing the turmoil (laughs) that has been happening at the site lately. Um, whether that's the uh, changing um, changing of the site itself, uh, whether that's currently the uh, unusable analyzer that's been taken down until further notice, uh, or if you are some of the people in the Cinerealist League that also happen to be part of the resistance, uh, you've recognized, you've learned just this weekend that a lot of the big people, big names, big contributors from that league are leaving at the end of this season. It's a lot to take in. Um, you know, it's only been a couple of days and I'm still kind of processing it and trying to figure out what my next step is going to be. Uh, I'm certainly not at all interested in leaving Fantasy Movie League. I love the game. I think it's highly enjoyable. Uh, and uh, if it just get, becomes harder, then it'll just be more rewarding to be successful. Now, that being said, uh, if you are someone that has used the analyzer and relies on it, as I kind of have, 
that is a huge, huge blow to your just tinkering and your your exploration of lineups and stuff. Now, I'm pretty good at Excel, in case you haven't figured that out, but I'm no nerd. I can't, like, FML, like, I'm not the FML nerd. I can't, like, code an entire web page to do what he did. And to be honest, I can't even, like, make the formulas in Excel to precisely mimic what the analyzer was capable of, not by a long shot. What I was able to do yesterday, well, I'm recording this Saturday night, uh, what I was able to do Friday when um, estimates were rolling in because we had no analyzer and I wanted to get an idea and a sense of like where the lineups were standing. And if you followed the road so far thread, then uh, you probably saw most of my posts in there. Uh, But I compiled a spreadsheet that acts like... um, it kind of, it, it's like a, a, a discount analyzer, I guess is the best way to describe it. You can create your eight screen lineups. Uh, I, there's a thing that'll tell you if you've gone over $1,000 or not. You have, to, not, not to be clear, you have to put in names of the movies. You have to put in the cost of the movies. Anything else is extra. But it'll tell you the value each movie gets based on the numbers you think it's going to make. Um, it's not going to be set at any particular thing. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just saying I have made this thing. I don't, I haven't had to use it on its own in a week and and like during a week yet. So I don't know the effectiveness of it. Uh, and it's just as likely that, you know, somebody else has already kind of figured out a better way to do things, but I have kind of a workaround. So if, anybody is interested in obtaining the this tool um, I am happy to share it with you uh, because I know how debilitating losing the analyzer can be and uh, well I'm part of the Cinderella's fantasy movie league and I think and I'm I'm perfect I'm willing to share my uh, my 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 work with everyone else. I, I would also be happy to post in the Cinerealist League. I would probably just like give a, make a, a, I guess like a shared document on Google. It doesn't exactly work. Um, but I, I don't know. I might have to, it might just be something I'd have to email. But I would have to also, I would also be happy to post something in the Cinerealist League uh, regarding um, how to effectively use it if it's not clear enough, uh, and, and what various things mean, if those aren't clear, you know, whatever, whatever might be the case. So I'm putting that out there. If anybody wants to take me up on that, they can, if it turns out this is a moot point and, uh, things are fixed by Monday, I mean, great. Uh, otherwise, um, I guess that's it for today's episode. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who listens. And I think that if you are interested in learning more about the show, about the podcast, about the spreadsheets, and uh, you can find most of that information at circleoffilm.com uh, and, and much, much more, all the old episodes, scavenger hunt stuff, everything is over there. If you want to get in touch with me, 
Uh, you can email me, circlefilm at gmail.com. You can just post in the Fantasy Movie League uh, uh, chatter if you want to like contact me about this particular thing, about the spreadsheet itself, or you know, for any other reason. Um, or you can also contact me on Twitter, at Circle of Film. Perfectly viable option. Um, and lastly, if you would like to uh, support the show in a monetary fashion, you can do so at patreon.com slash circle of film. Uh, plenty of different options over there. Uh, check them out if you are so inclined. And as always, have a week. So long, She'll never leave me Even as she fails